All right, welcome to another episode of Business Hustle Podcast with Alex Moore. I'm very fortunate to have another guest uh, today, John Wade. So welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, tell us a little bit about the company, a little bit uh, about your company, how you, you know, just kind of the basics of what you do and stuff like that. Uh, Well, my company name is Just Green Lawn and Landscaping, and I've been in business in the Raleigh area for, I believe I'm on my seventh year and um, mainly focused on landscape maintenance, uh, design, installation, and turf maintenance for residential and commercial customers. Okay. How long have you been in business? Seven years. Seven years. All right. What did you do before uh, landscaping? Well, I worked at, um, basically, in high school and college, uh, I was involved with NASCAR racing and uh, graduated from NC State. And once I graduated... Uh, moved back to Hickory. Shout out to Hickory for my with my family, um, and ended up getting a job with Cisco Systems, and I was with Cisco Systems for about uh, a little over nine years, and left Cisco in 2007, 2008 uh, to go work for a startup company that was based in Memphis, Tennessee, and I still lived in Raleigh, but traveled back and forth uh, every week, and. That pretty much was my career prior to starting my landscaping business. So, so what happened with the startup that led you to go uh, into to landscaping? Well, interesting story there. The um, uh, I started working for that company in January of 2008, and then got laid off in, uh, believe it was October or November of 2008. 2008 is probably not the best time to go work for a, uh, a startup. Uh, 2008 was not the best time <laughs> to go work for a startup. Um, you know, I did a lot of research. Um, I talked to a lot of my mentors at Cisco. You know, some had opinions on that. Um, I wasn't progressing, you know, through my career at Cisco like I had hoped um, without moving and relocating. Um, my wife at the time did not want to move. So really I was tied to Raleigh. Uh, based on those instances and um, they kept recruiting me and I just took the leap of faith to uh, start their Cisco business um, and manage that relationship from that perspective and that's just how it turned out. Do you think that like hindsight being 2020 do you think that was a good decision like I mean obviously you had to you know it didn't work out but do you think do you think you would have started your landscaping company if you had still been at Cisco when the market went down? No. 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 I think I was I think I was just like every other corporate worker. Comfortable. Comfortable. Um, you know, as I would always call them, it was more of the platinum handcuffs. You know, you're yep. pretty much guaranteed. Um, you know, I was um uh, I did excel in my role at Cisco. I didn't really take it lightly and was always felt like I was working, you know, pretty hard to try to achieve um, a different role, you know, to move up within the company. And it just didn't, it just didn't work out that way. And, but looking back, I would not be where I am right now um, without those changes. I just didn't expect it, you know, at 34, let's say I'm 44 now. So um, that was probably, I haven't had a paycheck from an employer in 10 years. So, you know, that was not really my time frame, but you know, it works out for the best and you make it what you want, right? What do you think 
Because um, you mentioned the platinum handcuffs. I imagine there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're handcuffed to their job. The security of a paycheck from an employer, um, you know, and, and a lot of people I listen to actually say that whether you work for a you know big national company or you work for you know a landscaper, local landscaper, everyone's really self-employed, right? Because ultimately, <laughs> it's depending right. on how how hard you work when you show up and and what you do when you're there and stuff like that. But but I know the feeling, and I've talked to a lot of people who who have that feeling of the platinum handcuffs that you mentioned. Um, what advice do you have for them kind of on the other side as a, uh, you know, a, a recovering uh, uh, platinum handcuff holder? You know, what, what, yeah. what kind of advice do you have for them? Well, I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I think even listening to your previous podcast or even some of the podcasts that, that, uh, that I'll follow, you know, even like a Gary V yeah. is probably a good one. I mean, I'm, pretty religious of kind of following his his notes and what he says but i mean if you're if you're really looking forward to fridays right yeah. like if it's really something like oh man i can't wait to i can't wait for it to be friday or the weekend you know the, you probably just really need to figure out what you like and what your passion is um and be willing to sac- be willing to make sacrifices during that time frame you know I'm in my seventh year and I still have to be patient. Like I'm not where I am or where I want to be yet, but it's just been a slow grind. And I think that you just can't take your eye off the prize, but be willing to make some sacrifices. I mean, you may not be able to live in exactly the same house right. or you may not have the same salary for a period of time. For um, a long time. <laughs> yeah, for a long time. And um, just be willing to make those sacrifices. And if you're not and you're not ready and you're too hesitant to, then maybe you might not be cut out for that. Well, and and that's why I asked, you know, starting right out of the gate, like, do you think that, you know, going to work for the startup where you were kind of forced out, where you didn't really have a choice, was that a good thing? And I think, you know, I think a lot of people uh, um, are hesitant to change because they are comfortable and there is that. I mean, it's really... I mean, it, there is some security there working for a big corporation and that kind of stuff. There is a little bit of, I think a lot of people overplay the security that's there. Um, yeah. But, but there is, I mean, working for a big corporation, there is a, a little bit more security than being self-employed, but I don't think it's as much as a lot of people make out to be. Not these days. Yeah. I think that when, you know, when I was personally at Cisco, I went through four layoffs, mm-hmm. right? Made it through every one of them, but I saw that what it was like maybe for the people on the receiving end. Yeah. I mean, they would pretty much just take your stuff and it's all of a sudden you just didn't have a job. You're gone. Um, and I did have a lot of friends that were, you know, laid off from there a couple of years ago. And I bet they had been there for 16 or 17 years, had kids in college. Yep. I mean, you can't really plan for that because you're expecting to, you know. And, well, and the worst is as self-employed, you know – that I mean, like almost everyone who's owned their own business, they know that they're always like on the edge, and so you can kind of prepare for that, right? And yeah. so you know that there's not a whole lot of security there. That you, you know you're you've got to take care of your customers, you got to take care of your cash situation and stuff like that. But I feel like a lot of people who work in corporate America have that 
uh, false sense of security. So they're kind of living closer to the edge than you would if you're self-employed and you're, you know, I mean, because as self-employed, you're 60, 90, you know, some are 120, 180 days out from being paid from the work you do today to when you get paid. Uh, and so you're a little more conservative, or at least the good ones are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, like I was forced to be conservative, yeah. um, you know, because as I was spending two years looking for work, I think I interviewed for 42 jobs. And um, as I mentioned to you before, I, I was paying my ex-wife like three or $4,000 a month. So the money was going out so much faster than it was remotely coming in. And I still had my house. I still had things that I had to pay for. And, you know, I've had to cash flow my company since day one. So it wasn't like I had the ability to, you know, looking back, I probably could have taken some of those investments and invested that money in initially, but I wasn't really planning on being self-employed. So I didn't really look at it that way. Um, But I probably would have made worse decisions as in maybe all the brand new trucks or all these things that would have been substance but not necessarily making revenue generating items Um, but i think starting that way really made it uh to where i was more conservative in those decisions yeah um so so talk a little bit about so you you so from your from the job that you had the startup were you laid off was it did it just shut down talk a little bit about yeah Right, uh, right around the time I was laid off, the owner of the company committed suicide, wow. and it, the company was started by some guys that were VPs at FedEx under Fred Smith. So at least during my initial research, I thought, wow, you know, these guys have got some you know, pretty deep pockets. Um, and you know, I was in charge of the Cisco portion of that, and um, there just was a lot going on that I didn't really realize until I got in their office, right? right? And I think that he was probably purging a fair amount of cash and they probably weren't making what they needed to. Right. And I think whatever happened, um, that's kind of how it went down. And then everybody was, the company just shut down. So, so um, what was, so company shut down, what was your next step in your mind? You know, you, you're out of work. What was your, what was kind of your next step? That plane flight back to Raleigh was, I remember sitting in the Charlotte airport, like, what am I going to do now? You know, um, uh, I did, I initially reached out to some folks at Cisco, um, just to see if I could get either my job back or something different. You're like, and, Hey, about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> Hey, I got some great experience in the last eight months. Can I, can I have my job back? Um, but you know, they were on lockdown yeah. and you know, 2008 was just rough. Just a, I mean, it just was not a good year. So, you know, I started just, uh, bucking up um and trying to think of things to do um and find opportunities of getting a job i mean you know it's was just very few and far between and i finally started getting some interviews from other companies and was kind of uh i don't know if shocked's the right word but maybe i was spoiled from such a young age of making good money um but everything was about a third, maybe a little bit more than what I was making. So my initial thought was just, I better find a job. Yeah. So, so, so what took you to landscaping? Well, um, there was a time frame um, 
where I ended up in the hospital for I think 16 days, and it was like uh, I want to say I think it was January of 2009, and I ended up with a staph infection um, in my in my face, like it was in my nose, and I got quarantined at the hospital. Uh, my daughter and I went to go see my parents in Hickory. And my mom was like, you don't look too good. You need to go to the doctor. And I was like, oh, I think I feel fine. My nose is a little messed up. And um, uh, during that time, I was doing, um, like, boxing and judo uh-huh. and a lot of different things. And so we were just having a, a sparring session one of those nights. And I thought I'd broken my nose, but it was just really – it obviously was infected. So laying in the hospital in Hickory, I guess this was 2009, uh, I basically was like, what do I know that I can do? that I can do myself. Right. And so really from that moment until the latter part of 2009, it's like I started writing a business plan. Um, I started figuring out, you know, what, what are my customers going to be like? Cause I used to cut grass. I'm in high school, like every right. other kid. Yeah. Plus I'm really picky of how I want things to look. So I thought, well, I don't know a whole lot about it, but what can I do that? What can I start now? So i started kind of planning on that, but it really wasn't anything hardcore because I was still interviewing for work yeah. and um, I think it was the latter part of 2009 that uh, I was in an interview with a company and a kid with an MBA fresh out of school uh, got the job over me mm-hmm. and I was still in a suit and I left that day to go to Clay's Power Equipment up in off of um, New Hope, New Hope, and yep. said uh, I walked in there. I think with a suit on, and they were like, uh, "Can I help you?" I was like, "I need a mower, I need a blower, I need an edger and weed eater." And I just kind of got that package together and um, got a trailer, and that was that was really the day it started. So it really was late 2009, but I didn't really incorporate until you know 2010. So so where'd you so you left Clay's? Where'd you go from there? I went to my house. <laughs> who who was your so, first customer? Um, I had a customer, what, residential customer in Cary, I believe, that was my first customer. And uh, I had passed out. I had a friend of mine from Cisco that uh, one of his sons needed a summer job. Uh-huh. And I had him pass out, like, it might have been 1,000 or 1,500 flyers yeah. one day, and one phone call came out of that. And um, that's how it started. And really, it took a little while. I mean, there were there were weeks where... I was just trying to gain new business or just passing flyers out, uh, asking my friends, yeah. you know, hey, do you, you know, and so for probably about a year, um, a year or so, it really was just me and a truck, right? Yeah. Like I was just, you know, out trying to get new business and just focusing on just kind of the mow edge blow of people's yards. So. What, what was it like making the transition from like corporate showing up in, in nice clothes every day to like a manual labor <laughs> type field? Well, it's funny. And, 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 and talk about like the physical side of it, but also talk about like, because I'm sure the, what the friends were saying, what the family were saying, like all of those things. So talk a little bit about that dynamic. Well, and that goes pretty deep too, right? Like, you know, <laughs> that, I go, that could be a whole nother podcast. Uh, that, goes, that could be, um, you know, I, and this, this, this goes back to um, kind of my racing days and uh, I had racing and then I had um, the opportunity for a normal corporate job. So, you know, I think that, from a college-educated person that you're expected to kind of – society says you're expected to kind of go into yep. that office job or you're, you're supposed to. But I'm probably more blue-collar 
in general. Right. I think the 10 years of, of racing and getting your hands dirty and uh, kind of being involved in that blue collar nature really from 16 to 26, you know, that window of time, if I would have not had that experience, yeah, then it would have probably been a whole lot tougher, maybe from an entitlement standpoint mm-hmm. that, oh, I've worked at Cisco. I can't go do that kind of work, you know? So um, I really think leaning on that background of, of, you know, racing every weekend and working constantly towards um, a type of goal really helped me make that transition as yeah. opposed to um, thinking that I was too good to do that kind of work. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, I think I've always leaned towards being more blue collar anyway. I mean, I like being outside. I like getting my hands dirty and um, it seems to be a decent, a, a better fit than yeah. If I was wearing a suit every day. Yeah. That and, and that's, and that's kind of the path. So I kind of took the opposite path of, um, you know, right out of high school, I started working on for a, uh, and this was, uh, 2005, uh, is, is when I graduated and before I even graduated. So, so my, my, uh, junior and senior year in high school, I would go over to my buddy's house who he was probably, you know, eight, nine, 10 years older than me. And he was doing the flips and stuff like that. So I'd go over every day after high school and I'd work, you know, for him just doing just crappy manual labor type stuff, right? And and there would even be times where I would take his truck to school and then I would skip class to go take it to the dump to empty stuff or pick up mulch yeah. or stuff like that. Um, but but before I even graduated high school, because the, there was a week between, uh, you know, last class and graduation, I was uh, up every morning at 5:30 on the job site by 6:30 working for a commercial contractor doing trusses and uh, hauling plywood on a you know seven story building and stuff mm-hmm. like that uh, and then you know for the next uh, you know probably six seven years I did uh, you know it was all manual labor you know working for general contractors and then um, uh, my own little handyman business and I've kind of switched more into uh, you know the white collar type work. But one thing that I've always held with me is I'm not afraid to go back, you know, and I think that's so essential, especially, especially with small businesses, because small businesses, you don't have the luxury to say, oh, I can't do that. I I can't do that. You know, it's not. And even if I have um, a situation where maybe somebody doesn't show up uh, at work one day or maybe my guys are behind, maybe we're behind because of the weather. Um, you're I've got to, I've got to kind of step in, you know, I don't, I don't, it doesn't happen very often, but I think that if in my perfect world, I would rather somebody just run everything and then I can just run my own maintenance crew and have my headphones in all day long. (laughs) Right. But you've got, uh, maybe when I retire, I'll just be that guy that just, you know, mows grass for a living. A, uh, A good buddy of mine who, who worked corporate career his whole life, he said his whole, uh, his whole dream when he retires, he wanted to go cut grass for the DOT. <laughs> I mean, it's not such a bad, right? When, if, if you didn't have the, if you didn't have to juggle so much yeah. and uh, at different times, but I, I'd be totally fine with that. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, you know, small business, you can't afford to say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to get on a mower anymore. That's below me. Or I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that because, and, and that's one trait that I've always taken with me that I think has been, uh, super invaluable is that it it doesn't matter you know and and I'm you know and like the other thing is is like so I'm a real estate agent right and I've got you know um, you know a few you know high dollar listings right and I earn their respect because I'm at their house right and there's a showing or this or that there's yeah. a lot there's a light bulb out 
I go get the ladder and I go change the light bulb. There's, you know, I remember I, I was showing their house one time and their landscaper didn't, uh, didn't come that week and they were really worried. So I went in their garage, picked up their leaf blower and I was in my dress pants and shoes blowing their, the leaves off their yard, you know, and, and for that, the reason why I, you know, because I do that, they're going to be with me for life. Yeah. You know, and well, people don't forget that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even, uh, and I think sometimes even, even some of my existing customers, I, I, I think from the standpoint that, you know, they may be surprised that, oh, hey, the, the owner's here. It's mm-hmm. only because, I, I mean, I truly like it, yeah. right? Like, it's something that I enjoy. So having the time or being able to schedule that time every week and and be able to, you know, be out in the field with with some of my crews, um, you know, I actually I actually enjoy that. How many people do you have working for you? Uh, ten. Ten? Ten guys. So I've got, you know, I've got, uh, I'm right around a million in revenue, and I've got... Uh, 10 employees and so I've got 10 families to think about and um you know so that's that's the fun part yeah what what do you think what do you think is the hardest part about running your business wow that's a good question um I've spent a lot of time on the financial end and the financial planning um and estimating um that Probably of you know understanding your cost of labor, understanding uh, the percentage mix that you really need to have um, as far as your what your matrix needs to look like, a balance of um, maintenance accounts and your enhancement revenue and uh, uh, other re- turf revenue or anything that kind of goes into that bubble. Yeah, you know to make sure that um, you're maintaining the the correct profit margin to. Um, be able to make money, right? And so yeah. I think that a lot of that financial planning and learning from a lot of folks, I mean, I've, I've done so much education, which really, in my mind, is like your MBA on the street, yeah. um, that I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that there was this much involved with, yeah. you know, um, owning your own business. I mean, I, don't, I think until you get in 100% and jump in to the ocean, it's like, you know, uh, so much respect to like everybody. I don't care if you're cleaning houses. I don't care if you're doing pest control. I don't care if you're a landscaper. If you're in a gym, whatever a lot of the facet, principles if, are the if, same. If, I think from a baseline of business in general, I think yeah, everything's everything's very much the same. Um, especially when you get employees too, yep. right? Yeah, and and that's one thing that I've always and I've said numerous times on this podcast is that there's two sides of running a business. There's the actual trade of cutting the grass and knowing how to operate the machinery and do all that stuff, and then there's the business side of it. You know, even if you're a auto mechanic or a pest control, there's the technical trade side, and then there's the business side. And a lot of times you have people who are good at one but not both, right? So they think, oh, I'm a businessman, right? And so I'm going to go cut grass. I'm going to go start a landscaping company. I'm going to go start a car dealership. I'm going to go start a bakery, whatever. A restaurant's another popular one, right? Because they think they've got business experience, but they have no idea about the trade, and then they just get screwed, right? And then you have people who are, you know, working for you, and they're like, oh, this is easy. I could go do it, and I'm going to go start my own business. And then they go start a business, but they have absolutely no business acumen. You're right, (laughs) and I think it's kind of like a technician – you know, a, a, a landscape technician, or you could say a restaurant technician, like even maybe they're a dishwasher and think, well, I can go cook that. Yep. I mean, that's not that big of a deal. But I think until that business acumen and learning every bit of that, 
uh, I think is constant. I don't think you ever stop learning because um, there's always something around the next corner, right? Yep. I mean, there's not a whole lot of time to relax on some of that. I, I don't, you know, I tend to stay, like you mentioned before, on on the edge. Um, I don't mind that per se, um, but at times I think when you're seeing that grind, you just have to be very patient of that end goal. You can't get you know, you can't get all worked up by saying, well, I'm not here by this point. You know, it's yeah. as long as you're sticking to your plan and can focus on that, you just have to have patience to be able to uh, to achieve that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, you know, and that was one of the hardest things that when I had my handyman business, I was just working for myself. That was the one thing that I just wasn't mature enough to understand, right? Somebody would call me up, the garbage disposal stuck or whatever, and so I'd go out there and take me two seconds to turn a wrench and it would be unstuck. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I like, I wouldn't have the maturity or the knowledge to charge them a hundred bucks or whatever. I'm like, Oh, it just took me, you know, five minutes or whatever. But, you know, looking back, it's like, you oh, have yeah. gas, you have time, you have insurance, yeah. you have taxes, you have, you know, all, yep. all that uh, the other stuff that you could have been doing to make money. And so, you know, it's that kind of, uh, business maturity that you have to have. And, and you mentioned it earlier when you're running, cause you don't want to be, you know, a hundred percent in enhancements, right? Because of, right. because of the market shifts, then all of a sudden nobody's yep. doing enhancements. But you probably don't want to do a hundred percent, you know, mow and blow because those yep. margins aren't as good as the enhancements, exactly. Exactly you know. Right. And so it's like so you're you're constantly piecing together yep. that puzzle all the time. And then you know, if you look at, I mean, my client retention rate's been very high. Like I've been very fortunate, you know, not to lose many things over the years. But um, I think you still you know, have to always monitor that. And then usually every week, it's just more of like, hey, this is how many hours everybody worked. This is how much revenue has been generated. This is what we've, you know, this is how many clients we've done my wedge blow. This is how many clients we've done X, Y, and Z. And so yeah. I think you're always having to have your finger on the pulse on that just because if you don't, then I think you it can catch up with you at the, end, in the very end of the year. And you're yep. like, well, I thought I made money this year, but, yeah. you know, I think that's been probably bar none the, the, the biggest education and I don't I, I don't know how you would get that in a classroom yeah yeah you know? I mean and, and and I've had people on the podcast who 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 are recently out of MBA schools and you know a lot of what they talk about they learned in MBA was more of just like discipline and some basic knowledge but you're absolutely right that like getting out on the street and getting your your hands dirty and and getting involved in business is is uh, bar none, the best teacher out there. And I've, I mean, and especially on the estimating side, like, and I've, I've done some doozies. I've taken the, I've taken the hit and, and moved on. And, um, you know, you can't make all of the money on one customer. So you've got to be very fair and very precise on a lot of the estimating. And especially when you get into larger commercial stuff, um, of just making sure that you've got all your costs capitalized into that. And you're balancing that, you know, for throughout the 12 months. I mean, cause obviously you've got your spikes in our seasons where yep. it's a little bit slower in the winter. It's, it's, uh, really busy, you know, March, April, May, and then September, October, November, then you've got leaf removal. So, yep. you know, always having your finger on the pulse on yep. that. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot that goes into that and people really don't see that. They only see the minute that you're there looking out their window saying, well, what's he going to do with that edger? Is he going <laughs> to, is he doing that correctly or, yeah. You know, so we always know we're we're always monitored pretty heavily. I mean, people are always paying attention. To yeah. That. What um what what is the uh, the best uh, 
we've talked a lot about education, podcasts, books, stuff like that. What was kind of the process that you went through of learning how to do all of this? Like, have you always been a natural learner or is that something that you kind of had to force yourself how, you know, to, to keep up on the continuing education of business and teaching yourself that? You know, I've, uh, in the beginning, I've probably read a lot of books. Like, I don't know if maybe from a management standpoint or like good to great, um, was one, um, you know, if it was anything, just trying to get all of my thoughts put into uh, on a sheet of paper to come up with a plan based on that. Like, what do I want my company to look like? What do I want my employees to look like? Like having that vision of putting all of that stuff together. Um, but the financial piece and even just kind of the company structuring, I mean, I've had to, gosh, a lot of folks have kind of been involved with that. I mean, I've got two people working for me now. Um, one of them is Tim Smith. He is... Um, basically a financial guru that really understands the landscaping industry. And then another one is Paul Maskell. I don't know if you've heard of him. He does a, uh, he, he does a podcast, uh, like the financial freedom formula or something. Okay. We probably will have him on too, because yeah. we were talking about it today that I was actually on your podcast first before his, <laughs> um, but, uh, he's really helping me from a business operation standpoint. He's a finance major. Um, I think he from university of Michigan and, um, we are really uh, focused on the operation side and automating a lot of the processes that I've got, especially for my customers, right? Yeah. If it's online bill pay, if it's consistency in newsletter and information and then follow up a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so really, that's kind of a long answer, but uh, it's just been in bits and pieces along the way and then just really trying to find the correct package that works for me. Yeah. But it's there's so much information out there. Yeah. Um, but that's really how it came to be. A lot of bits and pieces. Yeah. And then um, trying to learn from that. Yeah. And I think that's so true that, um, you know, and, and my buddy, the pest control guy, Phil uh, Nielsen, you know, he, you know his, his big thing right now is like all the information is out there. You know, I mean, like if you're hungry enough and you want to, sp- to put in the time, you can Google how to run a landscaping company. You can figure it all. I mean, it's going to take you a lot of time and yeah. a lot of work and a lot of mess ups and a lot of, but the information's all out there yeah. on, on how, what margins you should be running in a landscape company, how to start a podcast, right? Like, you oh, know, yeah. I, like, like, I, like I started a podcast uh, a year ago called the Raleigh food dudes, right? Where yeah. I'm fat. I like eating food. So it was me and my other buddy. We'd start reviewing restaurants and that was like that was a proof of concept for me right to figure out like how these microphones work how to get it on itunes how to get and it was a process yeah and the first you know several episodes of that uh uh, of that podcast were terrible right you know the sound quality was bad this was bad that was bad um but it's all about learning and learning how to change quickly and not getting married to an idea and just not letting uh, perfection get in your way. Well, and you, you got a great point. I think the, um, the just being willing to put yourself out there to yep. do something, and it may not be a hundred percent correct. Yep. If the sound quality is off, yep. you know, so what? You change it and you go on to the next one. Most of the time, what you might notice, people, other people may not notice yep. at all. So 100%. I think just having the guts to go out and do it, I don't think it matters really what it is. Yep. I think it's you know, it's never going to be. 100% perfect, and it's never going to be exactly according to plan yep. as to what you think. And you've always got to adapt. Uh, it, 
pretty much every day. I think it's it's really not something that ever stops. And I think as long as you're willing to do that, then then you can really be successful in anything you want. Talk about patience. You've mentioned patience a couple times. Yep. Um, I think that's the that's the number one thing I struggle with. I think that's the number one thing that a lot of business owners struggle with. Talk about your experience with patience. Um, I'm not a very patient person by nature, <laughs> so you know I'm. I have to force myself uh, really to really to be patient um, and know that you know I'm on my time frame and I'm I'm in my race. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else, and I have to just focus on what I'm doing and knowing that. I will execute my plan, but I don't really tie that expectation to the time frame, you know, and I'm just by nature, I mean, my expectations are probably just so high in general anyway, so I have to force myself. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe I was first born. Not sure. Maybe my parents were like, you're going to be the best, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, so I don't, you know, I don't... um, I don't, I don't know that that's, but the patience I definitely have to work at. It's something where, um, you know, I get up at four o'clock every morning and I'm usually at the gym for two hours or I'm exercising for two hours. And I, you know, I've got to get that out of my system to be able to probably have that patience, right? I've got to run pretty hard to be able to be tired at the end of the day, um, to help exercise some of that patience because I would probably would call, that would probably be a pretty good stressor if I yeah. focus too much on that. Yeah, it's, it's you mentioned uh, you know Gary V earlier, and the number one thing he says that sticks with me is uh, micro speed and macro patience. And you know it's so true. Like day to day, you got to be quick to adapt and change, and 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 you know you know uh, find the best way to get the job done today and tomorrow and the next day. Yep. Um, so you got to act quickly and not you know not just sit on your laurels but in the macro sense you got to be really patient and that's and that's that's one of the hardest things right uh, extremely i think it's uh you know are you busy or are you productive yep right i mean that could be two t- that's two totally different things there's plenty of times where i'm busy but i haven't <laughs> done really anything um and i think really trying to map my own personal schedule out uh which is where paul has really helped me out even on having everything and like one hour increments because we all have the same amount of time each day right and it's just how you use that time um and in these type i think being self-employed you can get derailed so quickly (laughs) right and it might be one phone call it might be 30 that comes in it uh might be i mean everybody's so easily accessible right you've got email you've got text you've got phone you've got everything i mean it's not like you know back in the day when you just had a landline with a yeah. rotary phone and yeah. leave me a message when I'm not here right now, yeah. you know, cause right now people expect an answer yeah. pretty quickly. Um, and thankfully from my Cisco experience, you know, uh, that has helped a lot, I think just in, in customer relationships and, um, showing up on time, doing, as you said, you were going to do returning phone calls and trying to balance some of that. Yeah. But, uh, the patience is definitely, that's, that's a work in progress. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about the stress of having 10 employees. Oof. Um, luckily my employees are really good, right? Um, I don't have many hiccups. Um, you know, there might be if somebody calls in sick, which, you know, sometimes is, is pretty rare. Um, but I also think, you know, I've, I've got a lot of Hispanics too that, you know, I need to make sure that they speak English. 
um, so that there's not that much of a language barrier. Um, and I think that it's almost like I have to double communicate at times to make sure that people understand and then understand the way that I'm expecting the end result of the job to be. Right. I mean, even if customers come out and want to talk to somebody, you know, how do you want to relate to that customer? Don't yeah. just act like you don't hear them and ignore them. Um, but, you know, I think a lot just goes into having employees in general. If you've got one or you've got 50, I mean, I think that you're always managing multiple personalities and, you know, making sure that they know that you've got their back um, and give them ownership and make sure that they know that they've got the ability to make decisions when it comes to a crucial time rather than blowing my phone up yeah. 15 times a day, uh, whatever it may be. And um, it might not be the right decision, but at least you made a decision. This is what I would do next time and then create a process around that so that next time when it happens, and I'm building this list constantly. I mean, yeah. if, if you came into my office and looked at my whiteboards, it's like, <laughs> oh, need a process for that. I need yeah. a process for this. And the, the list, I don't think, ever ends, you know. How, so. how have you evolved as a leader um, since, your, uh, since your Cisco days? How, how have you grown and matured as a leader? Because, you know, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now, um, I'm sure you weren't always that way. No. So, so how, how have you evolved? Has it just been a natural progression or have you kind of trained yourself and taught and learned how to be a more effective leader and delegate and stuff like that? Or, you know, talk a little bit about that process. Well, I think that's been probably, that's probably up there along with the, probably the financial education piece, right? I think the leadership, you know, I always viewed myself as a great number two, right? I never ever envisioned myself as being the number one. Right. I think that, you know, uh, I was fine at Cisco for most of my time there as being an individual contributor. I just knew that that was my responsibility on my job to do well. And um, I didn't have any goals of really, you know, being a manager there. And I think, if, uh, you know, even back in my racing days, I, uh, I had an interview at Hendrick Motorsports um, and I wanted to be a car chief. Right. So even then I wasn't the crew chief. I would have been the guy underneath him that would have done all the legwork and all the all the running and gunning to make that person probably look good. So I think from a leadership perspective, um, you know, it's more out of my comfort zone to be the number one guy that my guys are looking up to. Right. Um, and I just try to be as thorough as I can and as transparent as I can to them to make sure that they understand where we're going as a company and making sure that they feel secure knowing that they have a job, right? I mean, yeah. I think that... Um, but that's uh, that's up there on the work in progress as the patience <laughs> is because it doesn't it's not uh, it's really not my personality to be number one or to walk into a room and be you know yeah I'm number one the guy right yeah yeah um, what do you think the future holds for your company where where where, where do you think you're are you comfortable where you at or you no. you want to grow and yeah so. and i think the you know there's so much opportunity and there's so much opportunity in this market and i think there's uh i mean i think just in wake county alone um you know there is a lot of competition but i see competition as opportunity i think that um i'd like to be in that uh two to three million range mm -hmm. and you know, have roughly 20 to 25 employees and have a balance of my crew set up uh, from that standpoint to where I can still have my finger on the pulse. Yep. But I don't want to be so big that 
all of a sudden I've got too many layers of management that right. nobody's ever able to reach me because I do enjoy that part of it. Yeah. So I think finding the balance of, you know, if that's two million, if it's three, if it's four, yeah. um, you know, I think that just having my, my niche here that I've got really happy customers, um, I've got a good book of business. Well, and I think for you, it's not so much the upper limit of revenue. It's, it's how and if you can scale it to where you're still accessible, you still have your yeah. polls. Because if you could do 10 or $15 million a year but still have the same control on the polls that you do now, I mean, that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? You know? Yeah. And so I think, I think that's – I mean, and, and that's the number one challenge that a growing small business has to go to double in revenue or triple in revenue yeah. is keeping – the the what the you know the secret sauce per se of what got you to where you are today keeping that with you as you double or triple because a lot of times you lose it yeah and i think that that's where the patience comes in Mm -hmm. of where you're just slowly moving that needle and you might hit like there was a a time frame two years ago that i hit a mark that was way it was just a little bit too fast i grew and then i kind of scaled back just a tad got back into my rhythm and then was going to make another jump in revenue to make sure that everybody was taken care of, so to speak. Like yep. you definitely don't want to start leaving people behind or customers behind and saying, well, I'm sorry, I'm just too busy. I can't be there tomorrow. I got to change it. You know, yeah. so you, that probably pays, plays into the whole fact of being patient because you don't, you grow too fast and then all of a sudden yeah, that could totally penalize you. Yep. Yeah, I you know I think there there was a really good book I read. Uh, it's called The Compound Effect. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good. It talks about you know the example they use. I mean, it, you know, basically talks about compound interest. How uh, you know it's it's you know little by little by little, and then all of a sudden you've got a lot. Yeah. And 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 you know they talk about goal setting and and management and all that stuff. And the example they use is losing weight. You know, most people January first are like, all right, I want to lose forty pounds in the next three months. You know, which is which <laughs> would right, which is which which, which they're never going to do. But right. if somebody set a goal that says I want to lose half a pound a week for the next year, they're going. And if they you know if they achieve that, a half a pound a week, right? That's one less yeah. McDonald's burger. A, you know, a week then that's an achievable goal. But after a month, you know, you've only lost two pounds. Patience. Yeah. You know, after six months, you've only lost 12 pounds, you know. And so it's that kind of of, uh, thinking, especially with business. It's like, yeah, we can set this great growth trajectory of we want to be triple revenue by the end of the year and this and this, which sometimes it's achievable, sometimes it's not. But if you said – we just you know the tortoise you know we just want to slow and steady wins yeah. the race and that's and that's the hardest thing for for business owners because you just have to remember where you came from and and set you know you you want to set ambitious goals but you also want to be tempered in your in your goals and stuff like that well and i think too is and i'm probably a little bit more conservative just after what i went through yep i think that two to four years of you know going through the financial uh hardships that I did at that time and to be out of work during the recession was kind of an eye-opener right I mean it really it really brought me down to earth and said you know I'm redoing this I'm Uh kind of going back to the old school of where you know what I want my house paid off in a few years and I don't want to be carrying anything Mm -hmm. that I've got and be just a cash guy right and I think that um you know and in this market in yeah. today's market, that's a really unpopular belief. 
It is. You know, when it's crazy, because I remember some of my financial advisors saying that, no, you shouldn't pay your house off. And I was like, well, I've got the money right now. And if I don't find a job and it goes away, then then what happens then? And that's what happened. Yep. I could have wrote a check. I could have written a, written a check on my house for what it was. And right now I wouldn't have a mortgage payment. Yep. But I still don't have the money anyway. So it's kind of, you're right. It's kind of like, um, you know, it was not a popular way. But I also think... Me being on both sides of the fence Seeing both in sides. that area, I mean, was was really uh, was really a learning experience. A lot of it has to do with kind of wisdom before your age, and and I went through a similar process of uh, you know uh, it was two thousand nine, um, uh, you know young you know newly newly married, and and my wife and I uh, decided to uh, you know to buy a house and and fix it up and flip it and do all the stuff that. I had seen my buddies do, you know, in mm-hmm. 2005 and six and seven, make a lot of money. Uh, you know, we we had no business buying a house. We were young and didn't have good jobs and this and that. And, and so, you know, we kind of went down a path of like, all right, we got to, you know, sell the house. We didn't make any money. And then we've got, you know, my wife's student loans and this and cars and stuff like that. And so we did the whole Dave Ramsey thing, right? Yeah. And and paid off all of our debt. And it's and and you know, you you talk about that. And and we got to a point. Um, I'm trying to think. It might have been 2013. Uh, I think it was 2004. It was 2014. Uh, yeah, the end of 2014 was a really good year for me in real estate. And so we had this chunk of like you know 20, 25 grand, right? Mm-hmm. And so we paid off the student loans. We you know pushed the trigger and paid off the student loans. And somehow we survived, right? But it's just like you, like if we if we had kept on to that and and kind of you know lived off of that for the next six months or a year, would have been gone. We still would have had student loans, but we made the decision just to like whoosh, yep. student loans gone, and we found a way to survive. And so with with what I'm doing right now, a lot of what I'm doing right now is not revenue generating, but it's investing in the future where it could pay big dividends down the road. You know, this podcast that other, goes other, back to patience, right? Other yeah, things, and you, it will turn into something, yeah. right? And 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 but but it, it's the same thing that you kind of learned, you know, through your Cisco years and pre-recession, and then kind of going through that, the wisdom beyond your years. You know, I can kind of relate to that because there's not a lot of you know thirty-year-old kids that. Uh, you know, live debt free, find a way to make it, and are yeah. you know are you know have kind of that wisdom. And so, I think that's really insightful with business is that you know if you do what's popular, if you do what other people are telling you to, it's probably not going to work out long term. And you kind of have to learn that wisdom and take yeah. lessons from from history. You know, yeah. of, of you know if you didn't survive the the crash of 2008 and know what it's like to have you know the the owner of your former company commit suicide go through that stress you know because he was obviously he was over leveraged right you know i mean most like you know i mean i mean that's pretty shocking right yeah i mean and 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 so to learn those lessons and to say i don't ever want to get there if if a downturn and downturn in the market comes which it will i don't want to be in a position to where you know I ruin lives and families and all of that stuff. And yeah, so I and think I think that having that, I think that goes back, like even on my financial plan, like I can plan for that, right? I mean, I can plan even from an estimating standpoint, what, you know, with my overhead, what what exactly, how low can I go yep. just to make sure that the bills are paid? Yep. Um, you know, so I don't, it would be very hard for me at this point. All my customers would just have to fire me in the same yeah. day for me to go under, yep. right? But at, in a corporate job, I'd be so hesitant even now after being outside looking in for 10 years yeah. um, that I would, to me, that would be more risky 
yeah. than being self-employed. Yeah. You're living on the edge whether or not you, you think you so. You realize it or not. <laughs> um, and then if you have whatever your cost of living is and whatever you've created, you know, I think, uh, man, I would, I would have, you know, I'd, you, you just learn a lot. That's yeah. it's just it's pretty crazy how that how that works out. Last thing, what's your final piece of advice? So we've got somebody who's listening to this who is working for somebody who is at a job, whether corporate, small business, they're working for somebody. They want to go start their own business. What's the number one piece of advice you got for them? Well, I think um, I think having a plan, right, and then having the flexibility to adjust your lifestyle on what you need to do to build your business and then have patience from concept to execution, right? So I think that when, whenever you have that idea and then especially finding something that you, that you really love to do or knowing that you're going to work a whole lot more, whether that's one year, whether that's three, five, seven, ten. I mean, there's so many small business owners that I've talked to that said they didn't get comfortable until really 10 or 12 years in. Yeah. And it can be that slow grind. Now, you might listen to somebody that had a bunch of seed money, top 40, under 40, or something, or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, I think you just have to plan accordingly, and you also have to be able to adjust your your lifestyle a little bit and have a lot of patience. You yeah. know, but in the end, as long as you've got a goal, you can achieve whatever you want, right? I mean, it's your podcast i mean you know you might be the next joe rogan you don't know that right you probably will <laughs> and uh, um but i think that it's whatever that it is just sticking to that grind and having the focus and and the balls to really be able to achieve that and, yeah. and try not to listen to too much distraction you have too many so many people saying you can't do that are you sure you want to do that and probably ask you a million questions and you just have to you've got to close your head and just focus on what you want and try to find the people around you that will support that and and just keep moving forward every day. It's really insightful. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. If people want to find uh, more out more about your company or, or want to hire you, where do they go for that? Well, they can easily find me on the web. Uh, my, my website is www.justgreenlawns.com. And, um, you know, I service... Uh, ton of people in the five points area my office is in five points and uh, yeah just glad to help out however i can with whatever customer needs perfect thank you so much for for being on and we uh we look forward to having you back on in the future yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate it cool